morning, everybody. Welcome to The Surge. It is an honor uh, to be with you here today. As I mentioned before, probably twice now, we are continuing our follow series. Um, if you would, keep Dwayne and Jackie in your prayers. Uh, Jackie's sister actually passed away this past week, and so they actually traveled out to be with family, and uh, they'll be out for a few days. So I am filling in this morning. <laughs> All right, so we are talking about follow, and we're talking about how this actually works and plays out in real life. And as, as I was looking at this, I was reminded of a Friday morning in 1986, back when the earth was cooling, back before, you know, things like Wi-Fi and electricity and indoor plumbing. Uh, I was actually 16 years old, and I was driving to take the ACT, which was a standardized test, Uh, Similar to the SAT, I'm not sure if they have the ACT in this area or not. Um, But it's basically a big deal and has a lot to do with scholarships and college placement and a lot of those kinds of things. It was very heavily weighted at that time. And I was driving to take the test. Seven o'clock in the morning, the sun is rising off to my left. It was a beautiful summer morning. And I felt like God spoke to me, right? Really clearly. And, And I felt like what God was saying to me was, one... I'm going to help you do really well on this test today. <laughs> cool. <laughs> but that's, that's what you want to hear, right? That's good. I'm getting, you know, 7 a.m., that's good news. And then, he, and then he said, I want you to go to the University of Oklahoma, and I want you to major in English. And I'm like, okay, that really wasn't my plan, but interesting. That's an interesting, that's very specific. And then God said one more thing to me that has been with me my entire life. I keep coming back to this one. And it was, You'll never be rich, but you'll never have to worry about money. I went, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, that sounds good to me. Money kind of irritates me. I've never been really motivated by money, but not going to have to worry about it. That's, that's really an interesting and specific thing. And see, part of what was going on there, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of fill in the story a little bit as we go, but part of what was going on there was when I was a kid, when I was very young, I prayed a prayer and said, God, I'm yours. Lead me where you want me to go. I'll go wherever you want me to go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. Lead me. I'm, I'm all yours. And I meant it. I meant it then and I mean it now. And so when God was speaking to me in the way that he was speaking to me, he had permission to do that. Does that make sense? I, I kind of opened that door and said, you know what? You want to bump me or nudge me or tell me specifically where to do that and I'll, I'll follow. And as we, as we discovered last week, uh, there are a couple of things with follow. You know, one is that being a sinner or not getting it all right in terms of the rules and the regulations, it doesn't disqualify you from following Jesus. In fact, it's a prerequisite. <laughs> Jesus spoke very powerfully to the people who didn't get it right, who were, who were sinners. They were kind of the worst of the worst. The better that people thought that they were, the more of a disconnect they had to really understanding who Jesus was and where he was coming from. He just kept inviting unlikely people to follow him. The other thing that we discovered was that Jesus' invitation to follow was not a religious invitation at all. And here's why. The religion of his day, the religion of our day, it's something like this. It says this. It says, change and you can join us. Pray five times a day, follow all the rules, make a trip to the special place, and maybe, just maybe, over the course of your life, God will be less mad at you. Or, separate your life from the things that bother you. Take 37 years, meditate daily, slowly, 
over time, remove yourself from the bothersome things of this world and you will become enlightened, change, and you can join us. That's the message of religion. But Jesus was saying something else. He was saying, join us and you will change. And he was really inviting people that didn't know what they were doing, at least not yet. Relationships with Jesus changed the people that he was with. And it's something that we know to be true. All relationships change us, don't they? You fall in love with him or her and you change the way you, the things you think about, you change some of the stuff you do, you, you change the way you spend your time, your energy, your money. The same is true. When you hang around with Jesus, he influences the way that you live your life. And so we ask these questions with religion. You know, do you drink or smoke or chew or do you go with girls who do? That's the wrong question. It's the wrong question. The right question is, am I following? Am I following? So we're not asking how far we've gotten or how far down the path are we, how consistently we did this or didn't do that. How many verses did you read? It's not, it's not the rules and regulations. It's the am I following? Not ahead or behind of anybody else. It's really not a competition. The shape of the question leads us in an interesting way. Am I following? Not have I arrived, but am I intentionally following? Because if you're intentionally following, you're going to make amazing progress. Now today we're going to talk about an account in the life of Jesus from the book of Luke where this gets expanded out a little bit. And, and in the gospel accounts, it's alarming to some people at least, there are stories of people who encounter Jesus and, he, and it seems like he's saying, drop what you're doing and follow me. And they just go, okay, you know, job, family, relationships, context, done. I just, they just drop it all instantly with no preface and follow Jesus. And it just seems like a really high bar <laughs> to just drop everything. No kidding. Should I finish high school first? Nope. Just drop it and go follow. Just, you know, just drop everything and follow. But what I want us to see here in this story in Luke is that there is, in fact, a progression. That Luke gives us some additional details that inform this sold-out move to follow. Luke is writing to people. He's writing to people like you and me, to Gentiles, to non-Jews, maybe some skeptics, maybe not even religious people who don't necessarily have big faith, who need a little more information before we just say goodbye to mom and dad and walk off and leave the family business or someone else to take care of. So Luke says that he begins his gospel. He thoroughly researched the stories and he talked to everybody he could find to pull Jesus' life together in a coherent way. Now this takes place, uh, our story today takes place on the shores of the Sea of Galilee. I think we have a map in here somewhere. Okay, so the Sea of Galilee is way up at the top. <laughs> it's actually a pretty small area. There's the Jordan River running down the middle. There's the Dead Sea uh, at the bottom. Uh, there's nothing alive in the Dead Sea, thus the clever name, the Dead Sea. Uh, there's in the middle called Samaria. There. There's a cleverly named people called Samaritans who live there. You can sense a theme. They, they're really good at naming things in the first century. But in this, in this top triangle, this is basically where 99% of Jesus' ministry took place. It's actually a pretty small area. It's about, I don't know, 50 miles by 20 miles. So from here to Annapolis or so, if you wanted to think about it in, in our terms. Just not a huge area. Uh, the, so he's on the shore of the sea, of Galilee. It was a small area. What happened there impacted the entire world. And what I want to do is I want to walk through Luke's version of Jesus calling Peter. And I just want to walk through it verse by verse and then we'll, 
we'll tease a few things out of it. So here's uh, Luke 5, verse 1. So one day as Jesus was standing on the sea, by the Sea of Galilee, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. So Jesus said, preaching, teaching uh, down by the Sea of Galilee, and the word listening here is really important, listening. <laughs> Following Jesus always begins with listening. It doesn't necessarily begin with leave your world and your family and your job and your home and your parents. And this is important because if you're part of an organization, if you're part of a church and they start telling you, don't ask questions, <laughs> just believe, you need to run away. It always begins with listening and faith is coherent. If God's word is true, and it is, it will stand up to scrutiny. And it's a common criticism of faith and faith communities that we shut down reasoning and we shut down thinking and we shut down questions and nothing could be further from the truth. The Bible itself says, test the prophets, right? And he says, and check it out. You know, it's like taste and see. There's, there's, a, lot of, there's a lot of checks and balances and God welcomes questions. He never shuts anybody down who asks honest questions. Not Job, not Habakkuk, not David. It's central to our faith to be able to be honest and real with God, even in frustration, even in bewilderment, even in confusion. So if you're ever in a faith community that says, don't ask questions, just believe, run, do not walk, run away. You're in the wrong place. Our faith is based on something. It's based on someone. It's based on teaching and listening and asking and learning. In other words, genuine faith, and I can't say this loudly enough, is not blind. It's not blind. It's based on something or someone, right? So Jesus is standing at the edge of the water and he's teaching these people and he's attracting incredibly large crowds from his teaching and the miracles that, are, that he's doing. People are flooding to check him out. And sound systems and microphones in the first century just didn't exist yet. Uh, Chris and Marlon can back me up here. I think microphones really didn't appear until the fourth century, uh, right before Emperor Constantine. They can tell you more about that later. But they didn't have sound systems. So basically, Jesus wasn't yelling at people, but he's speaking very loudly at people, and they're kind of crowding around trying to hear. So one of the things that he did on the edge of the Sea of Galilee, he notices two boats. He says, hey, can I borrow one of your boats? launches out into the water just a little bit, which is actually great acoustics. So people were able to crowd up onto the beach, Jesus in the boat, and everybody could hear him a lot better because of the, of the situation where he was at hand. So Luke 5, 2. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. Uh, what would happen is that guys would fish at night. At daybreak, they would come to shore, they would take their nets, separate the fish out of the nets, and then they would clean the nets. They would, they would hang them on these wooden posts. And they'd clean the plastic bags and the beer cans and whatever else they'd got from first century Galilee. They'd clean the nets, they'd dry them, and then they would roll the nets up. They would take them home, and they were ready to go for the next night. When Jesus is there, he saw the boats were sitting there. So in verse 3, he got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from shore. He sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus tells Peter, he engages him. Peter, could I inconvenience you just a little bit? Could I borrow your boat? Peter's been working, he's been listening. Now Jesus has a little distance from the crowd out in the water and he's resumed teaching from the boat. Why? Because faith comes from hearing. Following begins with listening. Faith is built around content, facts, information, getting questions asked and answered. 
So Simon, Andrew, James, John have been listening. Listening in their context. Luke verse 4. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, he said to Peter, put out to deep water and let down the nets for a catch. (laughs) This is where it gets fun. Um, He could have said anything. He could have said, hey, did you really like my message? It was a good message, right? I I worked hard on it, prepared for you. And Peter would have said, sure, that was a good message. And then Jesus says, well, leave your family and follow me. (laughs) But he he didn't say that. Instead, Jesus said, let's go fishing. And this is important because Jesus is asking Peter to do something that Peter has literally done a thousand times. He's asking Peter to do something that Peter is literally an expert in, but he's asking him to do it just a little bit differently. And there are two problems with this. The first problem is, if you already know this, we were paying attention, he just finished cleaning and drying the nets. Now this isn't the end of the world, but it's not a casual endeavor either. It takes some time to do it. It'd be like, hey, let's go horseback riding. I already put the saddle away. We brushed down the horses. We put them in the stable. We've now driven away. Why don't we do something else instead <laughs> would be a, a logical answer. But everything's all done. No, let's go horseback riding. So you get the stuff out. You get things going on. And at the craziest moment, Jesus says, let's go fishing. Peter's trying to be nice. He's a rabbi. He's drawn a lot of attention. What he's saying makes a lot of sense. So... Peter responds very diplomatically to this crazy suggestion. In verse 5, Peter says, Master, um, and this is not Lord, not God. It's kind of a Jedi master thing, like Master Master Windu or Master Obi-Wan. Master's respectful. Master, we've worked hard all night, and we haven't caught anything, <laughs> right? And this is problem number two, and this is important. Back in those days, they fished at night. And this isn't really a lake, it's a sea. Uh, It's very deep. The Sea of Galilee, something like 140 feet deep at its deepest point. It's about 68 square miles. So it's a pretty big, it's a pretty big body of water. And at night, when the water's cool, the fish come to the surface. They're not deep sea fishing, they're fishing with hand-drawn nets. So it's actually pretty close to the surface, what they're doing. And during the daytime, there just aren't any fish where where their nets can reach. Um, Peter knows this because he's done this a thousand times and he's an expert fisherman, right? So we've already put the nets up. Problem number two is this is really not the time or the place to catch fish. They've been fishing all night. They haven't caught anything. They haven't caught anything. They've dried and cleaned the nets and they're about to go home empty-handed. And Jesus says, do this thing that, I've, that you've done a thousand times, but do it a little bit differently and let me be involved in the activity, not asking you to leave your family, asking you to do something one time differently than you've done it before. Don't know what Peter was thinking. <laughs> you know, I can imagine what I would be thinking. Great, Carpenter Boy is going to tell me how to fish. <laughs> you know, this is, you know, it's like, I, you know, we like you, but you don't know anything about fishing. Jesus, you've gathered a huge crowd, but, you know, what's going on here? <laughs> what's at stake is Peter is deciding, can he trust Jesus or not? Is he willing to take a step or not? And based on what he's seen and based on what he's heard, based on the listening we see at the end of verse five, he says this, because you say so, I will let down the nets. Takes a step. He's willing to take a step. Not because he thinks it's going to work out. I'm pretty sure he does not think it's going to work out. Not because it's a good idea. It's not. It's a bad idea. Not because it's going to help his reputation. It's not going to help his reputation. It's going to make him look like an idiot. He's driving out in the middle of the day to go fishing and nobody does this. It, because he's listened. 
because he's taken time to loan him the boat, because he's listened some more and he's gained a measure of respect for Jesus, Jesus has gained some credibility with him. Wouldn't do this for just anybody, but because you say so, I'll do it. Now, imagine what hung in the balance in this moment, just, just taking a step back. Imagine if Peter knew what the result of this decision would be. Just imagine. This is odd. This is that big a deal. I'm going to trust this guy with an opportunity. I'm going to throw out some nets. This is bothersome, but I'm going to do it. Imagine if he knew what the result would be, <laughs> right? This is the inside of St. Peter's Basilica. <laughs> this is where Peter's body is actually laid to rest. They built a cathedral. It took 118 years to build. We still name our children Peter, <laughs> right? It, this is one of the the biggest, most influential people who has ever walked the earth, the head of the New Testament church, the guy that Jesus, when he was done, said, okay, I need you to kickstart this thing. And Peter said, okay, and got it done, right? And he, and he did it in such a way that it was absolutely lovely and God breathed and it was amazing. And here is his funeral. <laughs> this, this is where he's buried just to honor this man, can you imagine if Peter could see his influence, could see how much of an impact, could see how much he means to people even today, he would have freaked out. He would have just been, it would have been a big deal. For Peter, it was, will you just take me fishing? But downstream, he's stepping into a larger story, a bigger picture. Moving on to verse six. <laughs> when they had done so, and this is important. Things happened not when Peter believed, not when Peter thought, not when he intended, not when he thought, well, okay, I guess I'll go ahead and do this. But things started to happen when Peter actually took action. Because the reality is you can believe in electricity, you can think about electricity, you can know how to close a circuit, you can know all kinds of things. But unless you have an active power source and you plug in with your, with your physical hands with the physical thing, you don't actually get the electricity. What ha things start to happen when we actually do something. And when Peter and his buddies take action, it's doing that makes the difference. It's doing that plugs in to the power of God. And this is where the story becomes amazing. Uh, Luke 5, 6, and 7 says this. When they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. They signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. They came, they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And what do you think Peter did? Woo, more fish. I'm not gonna have to work for weeks. This is amazing. Bonanza, this is an amazing. I just hit the jackpot. He says, you see, hey dad, check, check out what I just did. This is going to be great. The natural reaction would be to geek out about all the fish, right? To have, you had a really good day. That's not what he did. Let's look at what he did in verse 8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. And this is the amazing part of the story. In this moment, it's not about the fish, it's not about the fishing. In that moment, it's Lord. It's not Jedi Master anymore. It's Lord. In that moment, maybe for the first time, Jesus recognized who Jesus was. And in that moment, he recognized who he was. He was a sinner. And as we know from last week, this qualified him to become a follower of Jesus because this is who Jesus came for, sinners. And this was the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus. He'd been shoulder to shoulder 
eyeball to eyeball with the Savior of this world for at least a couple of hours now, but it was not until he took this step, this practical step of faith, and he saw this outcome that just literally blew his mind, that his eyes were opened, his heart was opened, and he experienced something he never imagined he would experience. Oh my goodness, I'm in the presence of the Lord. And Jesus doesn't say, I'm so glad that you finally figured out that you're a sinner, (laughs) Jesus says to him in this, in this context, follow me. He listens. He takes the step to loan him the boat. He takes him fishing and does something he's done in a different way. And Jesus just blows his mind. And it's in that context that he asks him to follow. Luke 5, 9 and 10. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they'd taken. Yep. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, don't be afraid from now on. And they were scared. He basically had unmoored him from the life that he knew. Successful businessman, successful fisherman, was married, had a family, had a business. He knew kind of what was going going on next week. And all of a sudden, something happened that changed everything and he doesn't know what's going on next week. He just knows that things have changed and things are going to be different now and he doesn't quite know how and he's afraid. Jesus' first word to him is don't be afraid. From now on, the back of verse 10, from now on you will fish for people. And Andrew, James, and John are like, what? What did he say? And Peter says, I, I don't know what that means. But, but I think I'm in. I think this is going to be really good. So in Luke 5, 11, it says this. They pulled their boats up on shore. They left everything and they followed him. And guess what? In that context, you would have done the same thing. And so would I. If we had seen what he had seen, if we'd been in his shoes, if we'd experienced what he'd experienced and saw what he saw, had his heart open in the way that his heart was open, we would have left everything and followed him as well. Now, I think we find in this story four phases of follow, and, and, and these are not super profound. We've already been talking about them. But there are four phases of follow that I want to talk about. The first one is this, sit and listen, <laughs> right? It's where it all starts. Sit and listen. The fact that you're here, the fact that you're open to the word of God to take a minute to engage with what God might say to us, it means we've all actually taken a step to follow Jesus. Following always begins with information. It always begins with content. We have to know who we're following and to some extent what that means. Christianity is, in, is an informed faith. It's not a blind faith. He's God. He knows things and he wants us to know things too. One of the best things you can do is simply take a minute to sit and listen. If there's an area of your life that you want to move forward in, start here. Find someone who knows more about this than you. Uh, find a passage of scripture or someone who's talking or teaching about this topic and sit and listen. And listen with an open heart and an open mind and learn something and go, ah, that's a really interesting way to think about that. I think I'll think about it that way too. This is where it starts. Sit and listen. Second step is this. Loan him the boat, right? It's a small step. It's a small response. It's really... Uh, It's an inconvenience, but it's really not that big of a deal. God might need something that you can provide. There might be a hungry kid you can feed. There might be, you know, a Greg Johnson who needs help unloading the trailer in the morning. It might be any simple act of faith or kindness. But start there. Get into a small group. Come. Start reading the New Testament. 
take a small step of faith that might be inconvenient, but it's really not that big of a deal. Start there. Start small. It's okay. <laughs> and, and you will find some amazing things. Maybe you've got enough information and you need to take a step. Find a step and take it. Loan him the boat. The third step is this, and this is where it gets really cool. Take Jesus fishing. <laughs> this is where it gets interesting. Because your heavenly father, like Peter, wants you to do something that you've done a thousand times before, but he wants you to try it differently. And he wants you to involve him in the process, to let him do his thing. And probably, knowing us like we do, it's going to involve relationships, your job, or money, probably. One of those three things. For Peter, it was two of them. It was his job and, and money. But it's going to be something relationally. It's going to be something professionally. It's going to be something financially. And God wants you to try something different. Be open to where he would lead you there. Um, you know it's been coming for a while. You've been listening, right? Got some of your questions answered. And every once in a while, every once in a while, your mind is just tuned out. There's something that you go, you know, I really should start doing this thing that I've been kind of thinking about. I really should stop doing this thing. I really should begin a, right? Does anybody have those thoughts but me? It just kind of, it just kind of pops up occasionally. You know what? Next time you have that, write it down and put it where you can see it. Put it in your, in your mirror, put it in your car and think about it and actually start to take action. Take Jesus fishing on whatever that thing is. I need to start a, whatever it is, <laughs> you know. Take Jesus fishing. There's a change that you need to make. It's not necessarily a change to your whole life, but it's a thing that's a little bit inconvenient. There's a little bit of a cost to it. It may not make a lot of sense. You may know better because you've done this a thousand times before. Trust him enough to try it one time, see what happens. It won't cost you a whole lot, but what you gain might be profound. What you gain might be profound. Um... This happened for me the first time I can, eh, a few times, but one of the primary times it happened for me was when I actually went to college. I went to OU and, you know, majored in English per the instructions, and that was, that was fine. Um, but what was happening with me financially was I got, I actually went right out of high school into summer school because I'm an idiot um, and was ready to go. So I went to summer school and I did my freshman year. After my freshman year, I was talking to my, my folks and my parents are, are fine financially, and they were unbelievably generous to me as a kid and, you know, as a young adult. They've just given me so much, it's ridiculous, and so don't, don't read this the wrong way. But they were kind of in transition, and, and money was tight for them at that moment. And they said, we just don't, we, my dad really wanted for me to go to college and not have to work full-time, but to, you know, part-time or whatever, but go to school and be able to focus on school. And he was, he was telling me, it's like, money is really tight. I don't know how much we're going to be able to help you. You might have to get a job or put things on hold for a year. I'm like, yeah, okay, no problem. We'll do what we need to do. It's not a, it's not a thing. Now, I'd done pretty well on the ACT. God had, you know, done that, and I, I, it actually happened, as he said it would. And I had enough to get a half scholarship to OU. So I had some assistance, and I was, I was doing okay, but really didn't have enough money for the next year of college. And so I was trying to think, well, what do I do? Do I get a job? Do I do this? Do I do that? And so I just prayed. I prayed and said, God, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I feel like I'm here because you told me to be here. I feel like I'm where I'm supposed to be. Help me, <laughs> right? I just, I need your help. Tell me what, tell me which way I should go. Tell me what I should do. Um, 
you know, point me in the direction you want me to go, and I'll go wherever you want me to go. I prayed the prayer. I think it was a Monday. Tuesday, I go to the mailbox, the little, at the bottom of our dorm, we had a little student post office area. And there was a letter in my mailbox. I was like, oh, interesting. So, you know, I never got any mail. So, opened it up, got opened the letter, and it said, we messed up your Pell Grant. We completely messed up your Pell Grant. We are so sorry. Next year, you're going to get an additional $1,000 a semester. And oh, by the way, the mess up was retroactive. So here's $1,000 for each of the two previous semesters that you've already paid for. So I'm going, so it's like a $2,000 check, two, two grand. Now, at the tender age of 17, I'd never like, I'd, that's the most money I'd ever seen in one place at one time. I was going, $2,000, oh my gosh, this is crazy. But it's like, Wow, that's a start. You know, it's like that's that, that's a help. I've got an extra two grand next year, but two grand in cash for stuff I've already paid for. This is just above and beyond what. Wow, that's a big bite out of next year's bill. That's pretty good. Wow, thanks God. That not going to get me there, but that'll that'll really help. On Wednesday, I go to the little student post office, <laughs> and, and I, I love telling this story. I, I go to the, I open up the mailbox, and there's another letter. There's another letter. I open up the letter, and here's here's what it says. There was an unusual number of kids in our state that did really well on the ACT this year. Normally, the score that you had would have given you a full-ride scholarship to, the, to university, but because there were so many, we didn't have enough. The Oklahoma State Legislature didn't feel that that was right, that we shouldn't, that we shouldn't punish high-performing students. So we actually allocated more funds for this particular scholarship that you won, and we're going to give you an extra $1,000 a semester with your scholarship to bring your tuition all, you know, all, the, all the way up to full and, you know, for, for each semester, and we made it retroactive. So here's money for last year that you didn't get that's already been paid for, and here's another check for $2,000. So now, so now I've got four grand, you know, in the space of 24 hours, and I'm going, wow, this is amazing. Now back in, you know, in, in the 80s, this is almost enough to pay for a year, year of school. I'm basically covered. I'm going, my goodness, this is amazing. I have to tell you, that was Wednesday. On Thursday, the post office opened at 9 a.m. I'm there at 8.55. <laughs> I'm like going, hello, are, is there anyone there? Wake up, you know, come on, let me in. There's, there might be another letter, you know. So, so I, I get in, I open the mailbox, and you know what's there? Another letter. <laughs> and, I, and I open up the letter, and it said, hey, there's a scholarship. You, you're, a, you're a winner of a scholarship. Here's another $500. Now, this happens to be a scholarship that you've, one, never heard of, and two, did not apply for, but you know what? You're a winner, and we like you. So here's some money. Here's, here's $500. And, and I, I literally, in the post office, just said, okay, God, you're just showing off at this point. I, you know, really? I mean, come on. This is amazing. Now, now here's, here's, the, here's the punchline of the story. <laughs> when, I, I, just, I just think about this. When I prayed the prayer on Monday, the checks that were going to hit my box that week, already in the mail. The state legislator had, had done their thing, unbeknownst to me, some months before. They had voted on it, the vote had passed, it worked its way through the bureaucratic process, which took a number of months, and eventually it made its way through the place, and the thing, it was printed and hit my mailbox. God had already answered my prayer had already put the check in the mail, had already seen to a number of details before I prayed the prayer. That's amazing. Is that not amazing? God had answered my prayer before I even knew there was an issue, before I even knew there was a problem, before I even, before I even knew I needed an answer, God had provided an answer. There are all these obstacles popping up. God had already removed them, <laughs> and I didn't even know. I asked, hey, God, can you help me out? And boom, 
bam, boom. You know, it's like day after day after day. Now you might be thinking, you might be thinking, wow, that's really cool. Can I use God like an ATM machine too? Because I could use a little extra cash. It's like, no, that's not how this works. But you've got to understand, you've got to understand. For me at that moment, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the money. Like Peter, it wasn't about the fish. (laughs) For me, it was, wow, you really did speak to me. You really do know my name. You really did call me to this place. You really do care about the stuff that's happening in my life. Oh my goodness. It's amazing. I've given God permission to to mess with my life, to put me here or there, and and man, you you have my back. You actually care about what's happening. (laughs) Cares about the direction of my life. You're right here with me. And right now, to some of you, Jesus, the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and he's saying, follow me. And he's saying, come on, I'm not asking you to change everything. I just want to show up in your life. Will you take me fishing? And when your tiny step of faith, tiny, God, can you help me out? It wasn't profound. I mean, I, you know, I didn't go up to the mountaintop and fast for 40 days. I, I prayed a prayer on my way to do a thing at the place. And God showed up, showed up. My tiny little step of faith intersected with his faithfulness. And it's not going to be about the relationship you have questions about. It's not going to be about the job that you have questions about. It's not going to be about the money that you might need. It's not going to be about your reputation. It's not going to be about any of the things you're concerned about. You're going to go home. You're going to drive away. You're going to sit at going, you sit at home after this happens and you're going to say, whoa, you know my name. That was you banging on my heart. It was you that paused and spoke to me. You care about me. And your life will be changed at that moment. You won't ever see things the same way again. Your life will be different because of what you have done by taking the step and what Jesus did by blowing it up. (laughs) I don't have to tell you what it is. You already know what it is. You've been scared. You've been saying no. You've been saying, ah, not yet. I'll get to that eventually. But you know what? It might be the the phase that you're, you're at in following Jesus. Take him fishing. I'd encourage you to do it because it's going to be awesome. You're going to have a great story to tell people downstream. (laughs) The fourth one is the whole leave your nets thing. This is some of us too. First we sit and listen. Okay. We experience some loan him the boat things. We'll do some stuff. Oh, yeah, that's a good thing to do. We'll do that. Uh, We might even have taken him fishing in ways where we've experienced generosity or we've stepped into generosity and been the answer to someone else's prayer. And now we're at a place where, you know what? I don't want to mess around anymore. It's like, I, I've been in a place where I was like, God, you can have this, but not this. You can have that, but not this thing over here. And we're very selective and picky and choosy about what God can put his hands on in our lives. And it's time to say, you know what? <laughs> the gloves are off. And God, you can do whatever you want in any area of my life. And if you're in a place where you can pray that prayer, fasten your seatbelts because you are in for an unbelievably cool ride. The whole life, everything you own, everything you will own, your future, your relationships, the whole thing. If you can say, God, I want your will in every single area, that's when things get to be amazing. The reality is this. That can happen when you decide to become a Christian. But we keep going from there. When Peter, Peter at this stage in his life still had a lot to learn, right? He was still a knucklehead in any number of ways. He still had a lot of growing up to do. 
but he, he had taken a step that was amazing. In your life, there are a lot of different slices of your life. And the reality is these four steps of faith can apply to each of them. Can I say this? Individually, right? Maybe financially, you're a four and you have huge trust in God financially because he's shown up and shown up and shown up and shown up and shown up. And it's just amazing. And you don't, it's not even a thing anymore. You just don't have to worry about money at all because it, you're there. <laughs> but there might be other areas where you're really scared, where you're really vulnerable, where you're really broken. And you need to sit and listen. You need to grow. And you need to take some small steps and then turn those into bigger steps and take him fishing and, and let him do his thing. Can I encourage you in whatever step that it might be for you, whatever slice of life that you might need help or assistance in, to let Jesus do his thing? It's not a, a blind leap. It's an informed leap that Jesus has credibility. He loves you so much. Be willing to trust him and take a step with him. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this day you've given us, and I thank you for your faithfulness to us. I thank you that you care about where we are. And God, I pray that the faithfulness that you've shown to me personally would shine out in the lives of everyone that's here, that they would experience you and experience the love and the specificity and the intentionality and the care that you've shown me. I pray that you would just rain it down on everyone in this room that you would lead us a step closer to you. In Jesus' name, amen.